you are listening to the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast, where everyday girls let you in on their breastfeeding journeys. And I will unpack all things breastfeeding. I'm your host, Susie Prout, a midwife and lactation consultant. Let's get into it. Hi, everyone, and thank you for listening again. We are actually up to episode 11 of the Australian Breastfeeding Podcast. And today I am so excited that I have Jenna here with me. Now, Jenna is. Hi, Susie. Oh, hello, <laughs> hi. So, Jenna is a registered midwife who lives in Melbourne, and she is the owner of the company Ice Ice Booby. You can find her on Instagram at ice underscore ice underscore booby, and also her website, which is www.iceicebooby.com.au. But I will put all of that in the episode notes so you can find it easily there. What she's actually done is she has made and stocks the Ice Ice Booby gel beaded ice and heat packs. So for breasts and for perineums and really helps girls in that early postnatal period and also all through their breastfeeding with ice and, and heat packs. So I've actually reviewed these products before and I wholeheartedly think they are perfect and I'm so excited with what Jenna is doing. And I'm also excited to chat with her today because what I've wanted to do is I've wanted to have a midwife to midwife candid conversation about the honest the highs and the struggles of new mums in the early postnatal period with feeding their babies and generally learning about new motherhood and Jenna and I have both worked for many years in maternity hospitals in Australia and so Both of us have seen countless new mothers navigating new motherhood and trying to learn how to feed their babies. And it's not, as we all know, it's not black and white with feeding. There's so many facets to it and there's so many little intricate things that can affect if we are feeding our babies easily at the beginning or if we're having struggles and everything in between. So Jenna, thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, thank you so much for having me, Susie, on your podcast. I've had a listen to some of your um, episodes and I think they're awesome. They're just full of useful knowledge, advice, tips and tricks for women breastfeeding. It's awesome. Oh, thank you. Thank you. I hope so. <laughs> okay, so we're going to talk about a couple of things today that we both feel can affect how your breastfeeding journey starts and continues. And so what I wanted to start with is having a bit of a chat about cesarean sections. And then once you've had your cesarean section, learning to breastfeed after that. And this is where a lot of problems can start. They don't have to cause problems with feeding. It doesn't mean that just because you are having a cesarean section that you're going to have problems, but it does mean that there is a higher chance of some problems happening in the beginning. But it's not something, it's something that we can foresee. And so obviously then we can look at how we can help women and the struggles that they might have. So I have a lot of initial thoughts with cesarean sections and breastfeeding, but Jenna, is there anything that you want to say first about, yeah, what you see as being some struggles that women encounter? Yes, I think probably I want to start off with, and as you've said before, it's breastfeeding itself is challenging. And I tell all of my women that, and even not first time mums as well, because they might not have breastfed for several years and then they're they've got the newborn baby, they've forgotten what to do, how to hold the baby, how to position the baby and support the baby to breastfeed. And so I say to all of women, it's not, it's challenging. It's not something that comes easily. And it's something that 
it's a learned skill. And so it takes time. And then you throw in a cesarean section, which is major abdominal surgery into the mix. It does cause a few issues in the beginning and yeah. everyone gets through and with time, but you're absolutely right. It is something that we do see in a hospital that, that does pose a few challenges. And I think like, you know, the Caesar itself, it hurts. You're on painkillers. Bubs might be a little bit sleepy too from the medications, whether you've, you know, you've labored and then you've had the Caesar as well. Yeah. Mum's knackered, especially if she's had a like labored and then ended up with emergency Caesar and you're bed bound. And typically yeah. everyone's different. Some women bounce out of bed after six hours or so and other women take up to a day to get out of bed and every hospital is different with how they manage their seizures too but yes. it's not quick access to the baby so i think you add all of them together and it does cause a few initial problems yeah yeah and mm. i love how you say they're quick access because that's such a good way of putting it because yeah there's no quick access to the baby when you are in the bed and your baby is in the little next to you and you can't really move yeah. to the baby when it needs you mm. exactly and it's hard to then also recognize baby might be a bit sleepy for the first 24 hours or so but then as you get to know your baby and as baby starts to wake up as well recognizing those early cues and it's not yeah you just can't jump out of bed <laughs> to go get your baby and to observe those cues as well so i think yeah. all of that adds up and yeah, and as we're going to talk about, there are some, some small things that, you know, women can do to try and improve breastfeeding success and with the cesarean. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. Yes. And as you were saying, there's certainly things that we can do. So new mums mustn't feel like, oh gosh, you know, I'm up against so much when I've had a cesarean section. There's certainly things we can do to make it fine. So one of the things I wanted to talk about was when we spoke about mobility. So obviously when you have had a surgery, then you're going to have less mobility around the bed and around the room and, and picking up your baby than if you didn't. Um, but there are things that we can do. So for example, in the night when your baby is in your cot next to you and you're needing help, Firstly, some dads can stay or some partners can stay the night, which is fantastic. And then they can, as soon as you need to have your baby um, to you for a breastfeed, they can be up getting the baby to you straight away. But often mums don't have that. The um, partner needs to stay at home with the other kids or so on and so on. So if you haven't got anyone staying with you in those first couple of nights when um, your mobility is a little bit limited, don't feel nervous to just get on the bell and ring the bell and ask your midwife to help you get your baby in for breastfeeds all the time. If you have to, if you yeah. have to ring your bell every hour to get your midwife to come in and to get your baby, don't feel nervous. Cause there are obviously times when I've been in the hospital as a midwife and mums have said, Oh, I don't want to disturb you. I don't want to, um, yeah, I don't want to, I know you, you know, you're busy and I don't want to just keep ringing for, um, to get my baby all the time. But I've always been like, no, this is really, really important day or night. So if you yeah. can't, you're in that first night and you can't get out of bed then you need to get your midwife to help you with with lots of that those things and um there are some hospitals that take the babies um at night um 
in, into the nursery for a few hours so mums can get some sleep. And that is something that we just have to tread carefully with because while we do need a little bit of sleep, obviously, to function, but we also don't want to miss those early breastfeeding cues that if the baby's not with us that we can't see and if we are missing those cues and, and we're missing them again and again, then we, you know, we get to the morning and we've missed some really great breastfeeding opportunities. Do you agree, agree with that, Jenna? I absolutely 100% agree. I've also come across, you know, so many women, oh, I didn't want to disturb you guys. You know, I know you guys are busy. Well, no, you're our priority. I think these days you're in the hospital. Women are in hospital for such a short amount of time. And I say to women, use us. Use us while we're there. Breastfeeding yeah. is one of your hardest challenges that you'll have. And, and again, it's a learned skill. Like, you know, the mum has to learn, the baby has to learn, and you have to come together as a unit. And use us. Use us while you're there. Ring the buzzer. Like, we would prefer, like, we want you to go home feeling confident to know what you're doing or if baby's not interested in feeding, how to express and so call us anytime, day or night. Yeah. And I also agree with the rooming in as well. It is super important to, yeah, to get to know your baby and to exactly being able to recognize those early feeding cues. So you know your baby rather than, you know, when getting to a point where your baby's crying and beside itself to know, okay, well, baby's mouthing or, you know, bringing its hands to its mouth oh, baby's hungry, like maybe I'll get it ready for feed, set myself up, do all of that. And that's really yeah. important too, and particularly in those early days as well, to help stimulate and help to bring that milk in. Yeah, yeah. And as you said before, you mentioned on expressing and that if babies are not, if babies have had a long labour and a cesarean section and after that, often they don't have those feeding cues for the first 24 hours or so, but it doesn't mean that we don't get started on bringing our milk in and getting that colostrum out. So the midwives will help you with this, but also you are more than welcome to ask your midwife, whoever's looking after you on that day and say, can you teach me to hand express? Can you help me with hand expressing? I want to get the colostrum out. I want to start my breastfeeding. I want to get my milk in. I don't want to, I don't want to get to the point where, you know, I still don't know how to hand express my boobs and know how it feels and all of that. So if your baby doesn't attach the first few times, it's not something to get nervous about at all because it's something we can do about it. We can hand express, we can even pop the pump on if we need to, and we can give your baby colostrum in other ways. And it's certainly not the be all and end all if you, for, for like the reasons why you, if you can't sit properly when, and you don't feel comfortable with breastfeeding, and Bub might not be that interested. It doesn't mean that you can't start your breastfeeding journey. So expressing is a fantastic way in the first little while to get to know your breasts and to get their colostrum out and to baby. And the other thing I just wanted to talk about with cesareans as well is the early skin to skin. Because a lot of mums will ask me in their pregnancies that they really want to have skin to skin and they're nervous that if they have to have a cesarean, they won't get the skin to skin you know, the hour after. Do you also find that, that girls are quite, you know, quite keen to get onto that these days? Yes, 100%. Like, I think skin to skin is so highly promoted as well these days that it's so important to do to help those hormones, those bonding hormones to get going and 
you know, and to also see what baby does on mum's chest. So I think that's also really important in regards to the rooming in as well, to being able to facilitate as much skin to skin as possible in the first few days and also to, you know, facilitate that breastfeed within the first hour or so if you can, you know, maybe once mum's out of surgery, because we all know that, you know, the theatre is quite cold. I mean, it needs to be cold. But once mum's in recovery, like, you know, that baby can go straight onto her skin. There's nothing to say that a baby can't. And that, you know, even watching what baby does, maybe baby will try and bob its way to the breast and facilitate that early breastfeed itself as well. Because, you know, we know that babies are quite alert post-birth and then it might be a bit later that baby becomes a little bit sleepy as well for the first day or so. Yeah, yeah. And a good point you said there about being in the theatre can be quite cold and there's lots going on and you moved out of the theatre quite fast into recovery. And so there are other opportunities for you to have the skin to skin. As Jenna said, you can have the skin to skin in recovery if that's the way your hospital does it. Or also as soon as you get back to the ward, you can start to have your skin to skin there. And in other times in the, in the first few days after you've had your baby, you can do skin to skin again. So just because the first hour or two has already been, there's no reason why you can't continue to do skin to skin at other times. It's got so many benefits that that it's not something that we can just, we just have to stop and think, oh gosh, I missed out on that or something like that. We can continue and do that to get to know our babies as well. So exactly. The- and I think it also, oh, sorry, Susie, I think it oh, also got- sometimes resets baby as well. Like even brings yes. baby that sense of calmness as well, resets if things aren't going so well in the feeding, skin to skin, try it. See what happens. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And so the other thing that Jen and I are going to talk about today is women's expectations of what early feeding might look like. So this is for all the different types of births that we have and and how women feel like their breastfeeding should start, for example. So the first thing I wanted to discuss was routine versus demand feeding and how women's expectations on what demand feeding really is in the early days can set them up to fail or set them up for a lot of angst and struggle. How do you feel about that, Jenna? Yeah, I also agree with you, Susie. Again, I'll reiterate that it isn't easy. And I think a lot of pressure is put on women to think that breastfeeding is this natural thing that once the baby's born, like everyone knows what they're doing. Yeah, I have to say again, it's a learned skill and it's persistence and like you will get there, but it takes time and it takes patience and it's just keep going with it. And I think that, you know, this yeah routine versus demand, it's very interesting. And I think women get a bit shocked at how frequently a, a yes. baby feeds yeah, as well. Absolutely. And it's exhausting. And, you know, but I like, some of our childbirth educators at the place where I work, well, they go, okay, well, how many times do you go to a fridge to have something to eat or get a glass of water? Well, this is babe's food and water. So if you're going to the fridge however many times as an adult and this is a baby, like you've got to look at it from that point of view as well. This is their total intake. So it's quite normal to feed, you know, eight to 12 times in a 24-hour period. Yeah, yeah. Or more. So yeah. I, think, I think it is sometimes a bit of a shock. I agree. Yeah. And obviously feeding when your baby is a few weeks old to feeding when your baby is a few days old is different because your baby is trying to bring your milk in at the beginning. 
and you, your colostrum is in a lot smaller volumes than when your, your actual mature milk has come out. So in those first few days, you might have a day or two of baby being quite sleepy and not wanting to feed as much and you're waking baby up for feeds. And so in your mind, you're like, okay, well, I'm waking my baby up every three hours in the day for a feed. And then your baby suddenly wakes up and is getting a bit hungry and is waiting for your milk to come in, say on day three, and is wanting to feed every hour. And girls are feeling really frustrated and nervous that it's going to be like this and I don't have enough milk and I'm not feeding appropriately or my baby's not actually transferring the milk out so I mustn't be attaching right and they're so exhausted. And to just to look at the big, for girls to look at the big picture in that and that when you're in it, it feels like it's forever, but baby is just trying to bring your milk in. They are going to cluster feed because they want to get as much as they can out while they're awake and then they might have a good sleep after that. But in the scheme of things, it's only a few days really until your milk comes in and then your baby is getting the bigger volumes and will settle more between feeds. So if you think about if mums are giving formula, because if you are feeding with formula, it's very different to when you're feeding with breastfeeding. And a lot in history, there's been a lot of just expectations that people need to be on a schedule and you need to be feeding your baby three hourly or four hourly. And back in the day, if you were doing the formula well, then you would be doing that because your baby is getting a certain amount of formula in a bottle. You know what they're getting. And then you would go on and give them that and be pretty sure that they could last a certain amount of time till their next feed. But breastfeeding is just not like that because they're getting different amounts out every time. And breastfeeding is not just about nutrition. It's about warmth and protection and bonding and attachment. So you can't really, I don't feel, Jenna, sit here and compare formula to breastfeeding because they're just such different ways of feeding your baby and for girls to be really you know they do get quite upset in hospital because they're feeding their baby so frequently and for, for us just to say hang in there it does get better but breastfeeding is just another way because it is a demand it is a demand way of feeding it's learning how to, to read your baby and and it becomes such a beautiful thing because you know your baby so well after those first few weeks and you know exactly what they need from you. And it's amazing how quick things turn around from girls that are just like exasperated on day three to then seeing a girl after a few weeks feeding her baby with ease. Do you see that as well? I do. Unfortunately, you know, we don't really see a baby past two weeks of age. It would then be the maternal and child health nurse. So I don't see them you know, when, you know, down the track, yes. unless they come back in to say hello or show us their babies, which is lovely. Yeah. And it's amazing how far they've come. And yeah, you do see them, you do like see the women who like, what is my baby doing? My baby just, you know, is so hungry. I put it and then it will settle. So I'll put them in the cot and it will cry. So I'll pick it back up and want to feed again. And generally it's in the witching hours, of course, you know, when our body clock as adults are saying, go to sleep you know, yeah. you're tired, but babies don't have a watch. And so they don't know that it's midnight or whatever. And yeah. And so I try to reiterate to women and their partners that this is normal infant behavior and this is their way of being on you and bringing your milk in. And once they kind of understand that, then that's okay. But usually they are, they are exhausted. They are a bit upset, but then again, to see them, even when that milk comes in and everything yes. is starting to settle, and they're, they're just getting that baby on the breast. That baby is so much more settled. They're settled. It's just beautiful. It really is. 
Yeah. And it'd be nice if you could show these girls their future selves just a few days, even down the track about how it's going. Yeah. That would be awesome. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. And just to any of the girls that are listening to this that are still pregnant to think about the childbirth education that they're going to be going to. So everyone's going to be going to something different depending on where they're having their babies. If it's a private sector, the public sector, home births, the community program, there is childbirth education available. Some of the childbirth education is more so focused on the birth of the baby, which is important obviously as well. And there's sometimes we don't get enough real candid breastfeeding education in those specific childbirth education courses. So for the girls listening, there are lots of available breastfeeding courses, whether it's through the public or the private. And to see if maybe it's something to think about is going to a specific antenatal, so in pregnancy breastfeeding course. So you really know the ins and outs of breastfeeding before you get to that day where you've had your baby, you're exhausted, your hormones are all over the place. And you're trying to remember, you know, the little bit that you learnt. There's for you to be able to be like, right, I know what hand expressing is and I know how to do it. And I know the difference between baby-led attachment on my breast and mother-led attachment and the different positions that I could try. And, And I know why baby is feeding so much in the early days and when my milk is going to come in because the midwives will help you with all of this in the hospital, but for you to have that kind of previous knowledge and education under your belt when you're coming in, I think would be really beneficial. Do you think, do you think that's the case, Jenna? Absolutely. I think that if you're already kind of, I suppose, pre-warned and have that knowledge that, yeah, what is happening, how to hold the baby, even just with the doll, just those simple steps of positioning to lead to a good attachment and that your baby's behavior is normal, knowing when your milk generally comes in, all of that. I think if you have the knowledge before, you will do well and it won't be such a shock or it won't be so scary. Yeah. So I think if a antenatal breastfeeding class is offered at your, you know, wherever you're deciding to have your baby, do it, take it up and just head off to one of those classes. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And the other thing I was just thinking about when we were chatting just then about the getting the support in pregnancy is also to think about and to think about in pregnancy, who is going to be your support system when you've had your baby and you go home? So who is going to be your little breastfeeding village that you're going to have around you to ensure that you have a supported and a positive experience with breastfeeding? And so what I mean by that is Do you have any friends that have breastfed that are able to support you? Do you have family members? Are you going to join your your child health nurses, mother's group? And to just have a few people around you because the way we are in Australia is girls that are having their babies now could have been born in the 1980s and around then probably. And back then, their mothers, there was a good chance that they probably were using formula. So a lot of, and I say always that when I had my kids, that I didn't have anyone around me that had experience with breastfeeding. My mother-in-law formula fed, so my husband was formula fed. My mum formula fed, all of us, so she didn't have that experience. My aunties, none of them breastfed. And so if you, and luckily for me, I'm a midwife and an LC, so I 
didn't exactly need the support that the girls that don't have the experience needs. So if you're going home and your mom or your mother-in-law and all your little village around you have all formula fed, you've just got to have that insight that there might be some expectations when you go home. If your baby stays unsettled for some reason or you're completely exhausted, there just might be some comments that come up about, you know, maybe you should give a bottle or have you thought about that they might be hungry or et cetera, et cetera. And so just to build that education in pregnancy and then just build that little village that you're going to have afterwards, or even if it's just having the conversation with your family members and with your husband that I am going to breastfeed. I want to breastfeed. I really want to have the best support around me. So do you want to read something or do you want to just be aware that I really just need support in that time? So that's another little snippet I feel is yeah, it's really important when going into breastfeeding. And so we could, Jenna and I could sit here and talk for ages about, you know, <laughs> breastfeeding. This is what we do as our jobs day in, day out. But I do like to keep these things, you know, quite short and sharp because I know everyone is busy and doesn't have time to just sit down and listen to long podcasts. Is there anything else, Jenna, that you want to add before we go about, yeah, the postnatal period in hospital and breastfeeding? No, I think we've covered the majority of it, Susie, but mm. I think, you know, just to reiterate what we did say, it's important to maybe do a little bit of reading or attend a class prior to having your baby. So you know what it's all about and you kind of know the facts. And probably one other thing I would like to mention as well is mm. if maybe in, you know, from 36 weeks and beyond and, all, you know, chatting with your healthcare provider as well, if it's safe for you to do so, but also getting to know your breast by antenatally expressing. I think that's important and particularly if baby is quite sleepy at the start or you're just exhausted, having all of that stored colostrum is so important and I feel that it also helps to bring mum's milk in a bit quicker as well and mum knows her breasts, she knows what to do, she's done that before, she's more comfortable touching her breasts because some women aren't and so I think that's probably another important discussion to have with your healthcare provider is, is this something that I can do? What do you think about it? You know, when would I start this? How do I do it? Just having that conversation as well with your healthcare provider, I think I see that that really does help in those early days. Yeah, no, absolutely. And if you are lucky enough then to get some colostrum out when you're doing that and to be able to, you know, have the colostrum in the syringes, put them in the freezer. And if you're able to bring that colostrum into the hospital or have it at home with you. And then when your baby does need some little top-ups, you don't have to then be concerned that you've got to quickly get enough colostrum for your baby if they are needing a top-up. You can be like, right, well, I've got, you know, 10, 20, 30 mils of colostrum sitting there for my baby. And yeah, it's worked wonders when bubs have just needed that little bit extra. And also colostrum is fantastic for to pop around baby's eyes. If there's baby's getting the sticky eyes it's fantastic for helping with around mum's nipples when they're getting cracked and sore so they've got it's got lots of uses and as well as that you're getting to know your breasts and your breasts are starting to produce colostrum and just on a personal story with both my first two kids I had a delayed my milk was delayed in coming in with my first two boys and with my third I thought no I'm not going to be in that position I'm going to try antenatal expressing this time which I did and Look, it could, as you know, just as personal experience, but certainly with my third, 
she had no problems with weight loss at the beginning. My milk came in super fast. Everything was completely different. And I think I've, I put it down to antenatal expressing. I mean, I don't know. It could be many other reasons, but I certainly feel that that, that really changed the early days with my kids, definitely. So that's a really good point that you made there, Jenna. Yeah. yeah. And so... Jenna, thank you so much for coming and chatting with me today. I think it's really important for girls just to be able to listen to us chat about our experiences in the hospital environment and and what we see that girls come up against because no problem is just a problem that we can't do anything about. All these breastfeeding problems that we've spoken about, we can fix and we can foresee. So I think that you coming on and chatting with me here has been a really important part for pregnant and new mums just to listen, to listen to us chat about any of these, yeah, these problems. Thank you so much for having me, Susie. And to your listeners, again, just when you're in hospital, it's such a short time. Use us, use us midwives. We are here to help you and we want to give you the best chance possible. Yeah, no, absolutely. That said so well. So again, girls, if you want to follow Jenna, she's under her business, which is Ice House Booby, which I'm going to put all the details in my notes and on my Instagram stories and one of my Instagram posts as well. So you can easily find her there. And thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you for listening to the podcast. I really hope you got something out of it and at the very least made you feel not so alone in your breastfeeding journey. Share it with a friend who you feel may benefit from it or leave a review on your podcast streaming app. The more this podcast is shared and reviewed, the more women can benefit from this because we need to talk about breastfeeding more. Bye for now.